listening to the Wilkesbury Stratton Penguins podcast. The best place to break the ice with your favorite player. Comes to Matt Philippe, trying to speed ahead for a shorthanded breakaway. Philippe scores! Matt Philippe shot out of a cannon for the shorthanded goal. So get loud, get fired up, and get ready to rock with your host, Nick Hart. It's a new year, and it's now time for a new episode of your Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. As the intro said, I am your host, Nick Hart. We have an awesome episode planned for you guys today. We're going to have a lot of fun now that it is a uh, new year. I'm not sure if you've had any New Year's resolutions that you signed up for or if you've already broken away from, but my New Year's resolution was to get this guy on the podcast. We tried several times. There were some roadblocks that got in our way. But ladies and gentlemen, I am now proud to tell you that we got the headphones on and the microphones rolling for Penguins forward, Matt Philippe. Philly, thank you so much for joining me today. How is everything in your world? Great, great. Thanks for having me. I think, like you said, we ran into some... uh... Some roadblocks getting yes. this done, but um, yeah, I'm excited to be here now. So yeah, a peek behind the curtain. We're actually behind an episode on our uh, schedule release. Uh, we were going to do one before the holiday break. If you'll remember the last time we were talking to you fans on the episode, I said see you in two weeks because we had all the plans in the world to give you an episode. We were going to do one of our world-famous roadcasts. It seems like once a year we have to record an episode on the road, but... I'll blame myself for this, Philly, because you never know what is going to happen at the border. We were planning to record in Belleville and a travel snafu. We don't need to get into exactly what happened, but we ended up in Belleville way, way, way later than we were anticipating. And at that point, I was like, we we, we got to gas this thing. We just got to go to dinner and go to bed. We got a game tomorrow. But here we are. We made it happen, my man. Yep. Yep. Like you said, it... Uh... You know, we got in there late that night in Belleville and had quite the day of travel, so uh, I think it was probably in everyone's best interest. <laughs> everyone's that, best interest. Um, we postponed, so now here we are. After a, a very long day of travel. Oh, I don't yeah. know what kind of juice we would have had for an episode. Not much. Oh, it would have been the biggest snooze fest, maybe in podcast history. Maybe. We could have potentially set a world record. Yeah, yeah. But maybe. I don't I don't want to go down as infamous. Yeah. That's, that's not what this show is all about. No. And, and the thing is, is... Every so often I'll ask guys like, oh, you know, like how do you pass time on the bus? You know, what are the kind of things that you're into? And that was a trip where I think everybody was exhausting whatever they had to entertain themselves and then ran out of entertainment at a certain point. It was just like, mista, mista, get me out of here. Everyone was the mista, mista lady, but we yeah. made it. Yeah, there's, I mean, we got a lot of guys who love to play cards, yes. but I think even that trip, it was... There was just too much. How uh, many games can you play? I Exactly. So, I mean, we I don't know how much we ended up playing, but like you said, I think by the end of that, we already knew we had a long one going in. And then um, obviously with the troubles at the border, we, you know, it ended up even being longer. So, um, yeah, even for guys who are usually occupied on the bus, that was a long one. It was it was long for everybody yeah. involved. Oh yeah. So apologies for missing an episode, but we plan on making it up for you today. You brought up the the cards that I feel like this is a, a very active cards team. It's almost like a hockey tradition at this point. If you're on the bus, there's always a card game going somewhere. But you guys seem like you're you're pretty dialed into it. Pretty uh, 
pretty routine. Like, you know who the guys are. You know who's round and around there. You're always in the mix, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, who's the usual group back there? It's uh, – so, originally, I I wasn't on the table. Um, the last couple of years in Providence, we would play poker. And, um, you know, we had a big table set up on the bus there. And, and here, uh, the game of choice is seven up, seven down, which is a little bit too hard to explain um over this but we've uh, had many try and it, yeah. it gets convoluted and it's just like you know what just take our word for it yeah. it's a fun game so i had to learn at first i wasn't on it right away oh. but i'm on it now and it's uh you know i'd say the regulars are roosh x whitey myself smitty and uh sammy so those have been the the guys the last couple trips who've been playing a lot we uh, have a couple guys mix in. Abby plays a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when Shazo was sent down, he played. Uh, now that Vinny's back, he's been in the mix. So, yeah, it's a great it's a great group. It's competitive and uh, it's it's fun for us to do on the, on the kill time on the bus. Yeah. You mentioned the competitive aspect of it. And that's what I love about being around professional athletes because even sometimes the smallest thing can turn into a competition and then it turns into a friendly competition and then it turns into like a real there's no chance I'm losing to this guy yeah. competition. Yeah. And you guys can get a little uh rowdy back there. Not in a yeah. bad way, but it's kinda like, well, oh, I wonder what just happened back there. It's it gets serious at times. Um yeah, I, I mean it it's fun, but maybe it gets rowdy here and there. But um well, Colin White's always stirring the pot too. Yeah, he's right? always stirring the pot. He's a sore loser, so <laughs> Um, when you hear him get going, you know, he's down. So, um, but yeah, we have, we have fun doing it. I feel like it's crabs in a bucket. Like if he goes down, he's taking everybody down with him and oh, he's yeah. just giving no, everybody a hard time. Yeah. I mean, there's one rule that we play, um, where if you're losing, you try and get down to zero and you don't know anything. And <laughs> Whitey tries to do that often and it'll throw off everyone else at the table. And, um, just yeah, we puts don't the need... whole gla- game in a blender. Yeah. 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 So, um, no, but he's he's fun to play with. I think that's <laughs> that's what makes it fun is that um, guys bring emotion to it and and uh, everyone's into it. So I mean, it's 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 fun at the end of the day. You said you weren't at the table to start, and that it was a, a poker game usually in Providence. How did you end up worming your way into the seven up seven down game here? How did uh, you earn the trust of the group? Well, so I, I had to watch a couple times. Okay, um, observer first. Yeah, and just. Uh, there's an app that Roosh uh, told me about, so I started to play a little bit. And then I think, like with anything, the the more you play, the more you understand it. So, you know, at first there, I know the guys love when I jumped in and played because I was losing. Easy pickings. Yeah, easy pickings at first. But um, it's been going up recently, so hopefully I'll continue that. It's been going up recently at the card table, and I feel like you've been on a steady incline since you joined the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins here. I mean, let's – Fast forward even a little bit before that, whenever the signing was announced by the team, hey, Matt Philippe signed by Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And I remember the people in the office are like, well, who's that? What do we know about him? I'm like, this guy was a pain in the rear whenever he was in Providence. This is a pretty good player that we just picked up right now. Um, But you were coming off of a season where you pretty much had the entire year blown up due to injury. Now that you've had a chance to kind of settle in with this group, get back into a groove just in terms of playing and being an athlete, how would you say uh, your season's gone to this point? I mean, like a standard marker on the calendar here is we've turned over to a new year. How do you think the last part of 2023 went for you and the start of your Penguins career? Yeah, I thought it went really good. I mean, obviously, um, 
you look at our team and we've had some, some good success and, uh, we've put ourselves in a position where, um, you know, if we can take care of business in these big division games we have coming up this month that, you know, we'll, we'll get ourselves into a playoff spot and hopefully just, uh, you know, continue to grow as a team. And, um, you know, that's sort of, I think for me, it's anything I can do to help, whether it's on the penalty kill, I love to kill penalties five on five, uh, you know, late in the game, maybe protecting the lead, anything that, you know, the coach is asking me, I try and just help for the, for the team overall. So I think, um, yeah, for me, I've just been lucky that the coaches have shown uh, that they've trusted me, you know, in an important situation. So uh, that's been good for me. And, you know, anytime the team's winning and, you know, you're, you're doing well, I think that's where the consistency comes in and um, that type of stuff. So, yeah, I th- think it's been good so far for me. And uh, more importantly, the team, we've put ourselves in a pretty good position here uh, coming into the second half of the season. When it comes to yourself personally and the team at large, do you feel like you've been a, a good fit for what this Penguins team has been trying to do because you're a strong player, heavy player, but you got some speed to you too. It feels like you're tailor-made for the kind of hockey this group wants to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think um, a lot of the stuff we we emphasize is, um, you know, doing good on four checks and stuff that I think that I suit well, um, like you said, with my speed and four checking. And, um, you know, I think the, the line mates I've been playing with recently and uh, you know, whether it's Corey Andonovsky, you played a lot with Kopanen or whoever it may be. I think our line has kind of understood what we're asked of uh, in terms of, um, you know, getting the puck in behind their defense and making it tough on them and um, sort of setting up maybe our more skilled guys uh, by wearing down the other team's lines and defensemen. So, yeah, I think I think it's been good. And, um, you know, I, my teammates have, and line mates have been really good too. So, you know, when all that comes together, I think it's a good recipe for success. Did you skate much with Kopi? I know you guys played together in Providence, but were you guys line mates uh, frequently over there? Yeah, so obviously, like you mentioned last year, I was out with the injury, so not last year, but the year before and, and even two years or three years ago now, we were, um, yeah, we were put together pretty often. So Kopi obviously had a great year last year yeah. and earned himself a two-year contract here, so that was great for him to see him do so well last year, but uh, in the previous years, yeah, we were, um, you know, we were line mates at times and, um, you know, we would kill penalties at times. So, uh, you know, it was good to come in here and have him um, as, a, as a teammate again. Yeah, and in an intermission interview I did with you back when we were in Providence, I think in November, I asked you, how nice is it just to have another familiar face? You're coming to a new team, but so was Yona Copen and just kind of shift together uh, to a new new team, new organization, but now here we are, and I find out you guys kind of have some built-in chemistry from, from playing with each other, too, so seamless transition off the ice and on the ice, right? Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been good. A lot of success on the ice so far with the team, like I said, and myself's been pretty good, and, you know, as far as off the ice, everyone's been great, so, um, yeah, it's been awesome so far. How much were you itching to get into, considering what that injury did last year? I know guys don't like to talk about getting hurt, you know, knock on wood here, yeah. but start of a new season with a new team wearing a new uniform just how much were you just like antsy to to get out there and not just play but show what you could do yeah definitely I think um you know the biggest thing I missed out on last year was just being in the locker room around the guys Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time rehabbing and with the trainers and everything but you know the things you miss is after games and in the locker room and 
between periods chatting up with the guys and just being around. So that was the biggest thing last year I think I missed out on. So it was good to, to get back into that. And I think, you know, that type of stuff feeds into your play. And, you know, I was obviously really excited to get back and play and, and get in the mix and play consistently. That was one of my goals to come in here. And, um, you know, once I got in to stay in the lineup, so yeah, it's, it's been good the last couple of months and, um, it was obviously even better since, you know, how much time I missed last year. So yeah, it's been, it's been good. You're, you're back in those camaraderie situations, pregame, postgame, yeah. card games on mm-hmm. the bus. Yeah. You, you get that back and you've yeah. been playing great here with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. You've become popular with the fans as well um, as, as you played more and more here for the black and gold. But what about with your teammates? Because there's something I wanted to ask you about, and that was the sewer rankings. There was a oh. team power rankings for the guys who play sewer ball before the games and I'm not sure, did that endear you to your teammates? Did that make you a more popular guy? Guys trying to uh, kiss up a little bit to see if they can rise a spot or two? Or did it start to, to cause a rift with some guys? Um, what was the reaction to the sewer rankings? I, I forget how it even started. <laughs> I'm not the best player, so it's easy for me to do the rankings because I'm honest. I know I'm Impartial, down. right? Yeah. I'm, 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 down, I'm down at the near the bottom at least. Um, so... You know, guys take it. We have a competitive group, like we've said, and um, guys take it really serious before the game, playing soccer. And um, yeah, I sort of just kind of did it to stir people up. But a lot of guys say, "Oh, I'm better than him. I'm better than him." And oh, this and that. every yeah. single guy yeah. had a comment. So here's the thing: I yeah. saw the sewer rankings. I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty funny. That'll get guys going." I didn't know you were the culprit behind it. Yeah. And then I come to find out. Every single person would come up to you, and whether it was a complaint about where they were ranked, yeah, or they had to complain about where someone else was ranked, yeah. I now I know why, like ESPN and Yahoo, why they publish power rankings yeah. after every week of the football season because it just gets everybody so riled up. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's definitely part of it. <laughs> um, it's funny to see the reaction from the guys and. Even when we're playing, guys will make little comments like, oh, I hope you saw that. Plus two points, yeah. plus three for yeah, me or I something. I better be moving up, that type <laughs> of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of just to add some more competition in there as if there isn't already enough. But, um, yeah, it's it's something just uh, I'll throw up on the whiteboard every couple of weeks and just stir the pot a little bit. Oh, and and the pot is stirred. Yeah. That thing's a whirlpool whenever mm-hmm. the, the new rankings come up. What is your criteria? What are you looking for? What puts someone above the pack whenever, like, what are the top tier guys have that the middle guys I, need to work on? Let's not name names. No, you want I, th- I just think it's a combination of some guys, mm. mostly the Euros, just are really skilled. I think they probably play a lot more growing up. Yeah, that we, makes sense. Yeah, some, so, some of us maybe play other sports growing up. It seems like all the Europeans – um, since I've always played, they love soccer. So those guys are just really skilled. They can do some, some stuff with the ball that others just can't do. And then there's, you know, I try and factor in like who wins the games. I think sometimes the, the best players don't always win. So, uh, I factor that in and just a couple other things, maybe some, uh, some stuff that, I don't know. Maybe I just make up in my head that I know <laughs> intangibles. <laughs> I know, yeah, that'll get the guys going a little bit. But no, I think it's a mixture of just like skill and who's winning games and you know who's messing up rallies. You know that'll knock you down a couple spots. So 
It's just a combination of things, really. I appreciate that you can recognize sometimes the best player doesn't always win, yeah. but winning has to count for yeah, something. If you, if you win the game and it doesn't, you don't get rewarded for it, then what's even the point of exactly, winning? Exactly, yeah. I appreciate that you see things that yeah, way. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Yeah, right there. I try. So, so we'll be, uh, well, I don't know if anybody's patiently or anxiously awaiting the next uh, sewer rankings to come out in the locker room, but I'm sure you'll be getting an earful oh, yeah. uh, from your teammates. Always, Always yeah. without fail, uh-huh. every single time. Matt Philippe with us here on the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. Uh, something else I wanted to talk to you about was uh, your college experience or how you got there. Because previously on the podcast, we've talked to guys who have been to Northeastern University. Zach Aston Reese comes to mind right off the hop. But we don't get to talk to guys who are second generation at their college very often. Because your dad, Paul Philippe, played hockey at Northeastern as well. So was your path to the Huskies predetermined because of your dad, or did it just kind of shake out that way and the stars aligned? I mean, I grew up going to games. Uh, some of my earliest memories were at Matthews Arena. Yep. Uh, watching Northeastern. So what a barn. Yeah, it's great. Um, best in college hockey, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, no bias. No bias. But yeah, I just grew up going to those games and um, fell in love with it there. And um yeah, I think when the time came to to start looking at colleges and make a decision, Northeastern was really the only place I wanted to go. So, yeah, I, I jumped on that commitment pretty early in high school. And, you know, there would have been other options out there, obviously. But, you know, Northeastern was just special to me and special to my family. And it was, um, you know, somewhere where I always wanted to go growing up. So, um yeah I owe a lot of that to my dad so he uh you know he he brought me to those games growing up and yeah so it was I guess maybe a bit predetermined but um <laughs> he didn't know. push you into no. it though it just kind of no he, no no he, no. Bu- he built a yeah. an appreciation for the program yeah. that ended up yeah, leading you there absolutely yeah it was entirely my decision but um it was really the only decision for me it was you know just somewhere that um it just felt like home to me from a young age from going to those games yeah like when you probably maybe not even decided but felt like hey you know when as i i want to be a pro hockey player i'm sure it was your dream and i'm going to play college hockey did you always picture yourself in the northeastern uniform yeah yeah definitely and um it was you know for me northeastern what like when i went to the games growing up they were not very good um (laughs) To put it lightly, and uh, BC and BU were always the big teams in Boston, and I would go to the Beanpot every year, and Northeastern never got it done. So I think part of that also fueled me to want to go in and help and contribute to um, them winning a Beanpot. That was a big part of it. And, you know, I I know a lot of people who aren't from Boston think the Beanpot's, oh, it's stupid. There's only four teams. How do you not win? It's the same teams every year. Yeah. Yeah. But for a kid – from Boston, I bet you if you ask any of them, it's it's a huge deal. So um, growing up and watching Northeastern lose a lot, that was always something I wanted to do was kind of help build uh, build the program up however I could and, and uh, win a beanpot and sort of help turn the program around because they weren't in the best shape early on um, growing up for me, at least when I would go to the games. And then, um, you know, we really turned a corner, I think, when I got there and um, guys like Zach Aston Reese, like you mentioned, yep. he was a big part of that. And, um, the program's in great hands now, um, with Jerry Keefe there as a head coach and Jim Madigan as the athletic director. So those guys 
really turned it around, and uh, it's in a it's in a great spot right now. Ryan Shea, too, Shea's organization yeah. teammate. Shea, yeah. you, you guys We're, go way back. Yeah, roommates for four years. Yeah, <laughs> he was a big part of that as well. So, yeah, I was just happy to go in there and sort of help kind of reshape the um, the program, sort of chip in that way. How did you guys fare in the Beanpot? You'll have to forgive me for not knowing we my Beanpot history. We won three out of history. four. Three out of four. Yeah. So uh, that's that's okay, I guess, yeah. right? so I think we, we won – I think it was the first time in – I forget how many years, my, but my sophomore year we won, and we ended a long drought, maybe like 25 years. I forget how A long, long time. Like yeah. you said, they did not do they very well yeah. for a so long time. So that was – to be a part of that team was really special. And then, um, yeah, we won it my junior year and senior year too as well. So Can't can't let um, go of that thing once you grab it, right? Oh, no, yeah. So it was it – was, yeah, the bean pot was something that was really special growing up, and it went it three times. It was really cool. I want to circle back to Matthews Arena, too. For people who haven't been, but maybe we might have some listeners that want to go on some road trips, see some different buildings. They might be thinking about going to AHL towns, but college hockey, you always get a great atmosphere. Give them the pitch for Matthews Arena. You said it's it's for your money, the best uh, barn in college hockey. What do they got going on there? Yeah, I th- well, I think, too, it's like I, I don't know if this happened when I was at school, but I think it's like the only rink in North America that's considered like a historical um, landmark. Yeah, like yeah. A, yeah, I think it's a like legally like a historical landmark, um, which is cool because I don't I I think I don't know if they're allowed. There's certain things they can't change up about it, or they won't change up about it, which makes it feel really um authentic i guess in yeah that way, like that you can't old. completely renovate yeah, the building because as yeah. you said it's a historic it's landmark where the boston celtics played the boston bruins played there so um i mean it's been around since the early 1900s and um there's still pieces in there that you feel that but they've done a great job of renovating certain things to make it feel like a more of a new atmosphere and um yeah the the upper bowl area where all the students sit they feel like you're right on top of the ice when they're cheering and everything so um yeah i would highly recommend anyone listening if they're ever around boston to go check it out even if um you know there isn't a game if there is great but it's just a really cool cool landmark yeah you have that history and like you say that that old school element that they're legally not allowed to touch so it's kind of like going back in a time machine while they've also done what they can to keep it modern yep. so it's not falling apart at the seams or right. you still have an exciting game night experience while you're there it exactly. kind of is the best of both worlds that's yeah. the balance they've tried to strike and yeah done a pretty good job yeah, of executing have. yeah it's good yeah they did a uh yeah they've done a great job they added a great uh scoreboard oh my isn't it it's, huge yeah it's it's massive um and just some other little things too where it's like you said they got the old school feel and it's a little modern kick to it, too, which is nice. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. That's what people love. So Northeastern University, I think when people think of Northeastern, the first things that come to mind are, you know, the hockey team and some of the alumni that have gone on to the NHL, the beauty that is Matthews Arena, the Beanpot Tournament. And I think people also think of uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, distinguished psychology professor who had uh, that rousing TED Talk in San Francisco back in 2018. You know what I'm talking about? Did you get a chance to see it? I did not, no. Oh, um, neither did I. That's okay. <laughs> did, did you ever uh, – do you think you could ever give a TED Talk, Philly? Uh, I don't know. Um, 
do I think go I on stage have... in front of people, get the spotlight on you? And I don't know. El- elucidate them on a number of subjects. I don't know if I could do that, to be honest. Um, well, guess what? Today's your day, my friend, because <laughs> that allows us to get into a recurring segment we have here All on right. the podcast called Welcome to My TED Talk. So, Matt, if you don't mind, do you, uh, can you pass me that hockey helmet over here to yep. your left? So inside this helmet are a number of prompts mm-hmm. for TED Talks. Okay. You are going to give us an unscripted TED Talk as if you were a college-educated professional expert on this subject. We're going to pull two subjects out of this helmet. You will get to choose between the two, and you will give a TED Talk on one of those subjects. If you don't like the two subjects that come out, you can reach in for a third, but that's the do or die. You are then married to that third choice. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yep. So you will have to speak like an expert here. You pull one out, and I'll pull one out here. I got one, you got one. Yeah, there you go. What do you got? Are you giving us a TED Talk on? The hierarchy of goats. The hierarchy of goats. Now, here's the thing. We keep this pretty broad, pretty wide open, so you can steer it in any direction. But I believe goat, in this instance, is not the farm animal, but the greatest of all time, as the kids would say. So a hierarchy of the I think greatest of all time. I think i this one. Oh, you don't, don't even want to see what the second no. one. Well, for, for those okay. listening at home, you know. We got to do this the right yeah. way. High school sports. Okay, I'm still gonna stick with this. Um, Very well then, sir. I'm a diehard Patriots fan, so uh, so you've got this some is stuff, easy I'm sure. for me um, to start off with Tom Brady. All right, well, hang on, hang on. We got to actually like set the stage here. Okay. I understand you've chosen your subject, but we have to uh, get everybody out there listening, yep. prepared, ready to go. Make sure you get dialed in, yeah. so you have your thoughts gathered. Okay, so. Ladies and gentlemen, a TED Talk by Matt Philippe. The hierarchy of goats. Um, As I just mentioned, I'm a diehard Patriots fan, so when I see the word goat, Tom Brady comes to mind. I think there's debates in other sports. Um, MJ versus LeBron. Messi versus Ronaldo, you know, there's some other ones too in other sports, but undisputed goat in football is Tom Brady, uh, the greatest of all time. Some of my other early memories, all the Super Bowl parties my parents threw when I was young and watching Brady and just all the joy he brought to my family and all my friends over all the years. You know, I owe him for a lot. I think he kind of instilled uh, a little bit of the winning culture in the the Boston area. I think that, you know, kids growing up, everyone just wanted to win because Brady was always winning. And, um, yeah, my boy Tom Brady, I think um, when I see GOAT, he's the first thing that comes to mind. And for some other sports, I I don't love LeBron. Again, I'm, I'm from Boston, so um, – he beat us a couple times with the Celtics when he was with the Cavs, so I, I haven't been the biggest fan of his, and uh, I think I'll side with Jordan there, um, just based off that documentary from COVID um, and his mindset and just everything that he did preparation-wise and how big of a competitor he was and how he hated to lose. I think uh, you know that was pretty cool to get an inside look at that. 
Um, and I didn't really obviously get to see him play. So, you know, basketball, my goat is Jordan. Um, hockey, I think another undisputed one. You got to go Gretzky, maybe Bob Yor is a defenseman, but uh, I don't know how you can argue Gretzky there. And Messi and Ronaldo is another big one I think you hear nowadays. So I think I'll, I'll go with Ronaldo on that. Um, I have a little Portuguese in me, so I'm a little biased there. So uh, Ronaldo's my guy in soccer and baseball. I don't even know when it comes to the baseball. Who's to go? Babe Ruth, I guess. But um, you know, then you get people saying he wouldn't be able to hit a fastball nowadays and whatnot. And I don't know. I guess you can go anywhere with baseball. But uh, David Ortiz, I think, is my goat in baseball. Um, so that's my hierarchy of goats for sports. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Good job. Good job, sir. Once again, no bias at all. No, no bias at all. None. Big poppy, a mention of Bobby Orr. Yeah. You would have never known where you grew up. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me uh, circle back to the last dance. You referenced the Michael Jordan or Chicago Bulls, 90s Bulls documentary that came out uh, during quarantine. And I know I was enraptured by the whole thing. Similarly, like that was going on when I was like really young. I didn't. I knew who Michael Jordan was, but I didn't have a grasp of how many games they were winning or them being a quote unquote dynasty. In fact, I remember Michael Jordan going to the Wizards more than I remember Michael Jordan actually playing for the Chicago Bulls. The thing that blew my mind the most in all of those episodes and that entire documentary was that you talked about his mindset, how he would just make stuff up. He would make up Crazy. ways that, that yeah. other people have wronged him, have yeah. slighted him. Yeah. Did you hear what that guy said about me? Yeah, Did you hear crazy. that? It's like he yeah. said you were a great player. I can't believe he'd say that to me. And then he'd go out and drop 40 Yeah, because he would get himself all wound up with stuff that he now admits years later, like, I made it up, but yeah. it gave me the fuel to just I, be a stone-cold killer. That's Yeah, I mean, I don't know if any – that's unheard of, really. When I heard it's that, bananas. I was like, yeah, that's – I mean, that's a whole different level of – um, getting yourself going, I guess. A whole nother level yeah. of psyching yourself up. I'm yeah. glad he became a professional athlete because yeah. I don't know what that kind of mindset would no. have translated to in, you know, normal life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. I mean, that was, I kind of forgot about that until you brought it up just because there were so many things. That's in there. the thing that sticks with me the most. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It is jam packed with yeah. like, oh my goodness, that's nuts. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's the one that stuck with me that yeah. he would just make things up. Yeah. to get himself fired up, make that's himself believe that they had slighted him. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of the many things, obviously, from that. I thought that was a really cool documentary. And, yeah, just to get kind of inside of, like, what his mindset was just just different from everyone else. So different. And you could argue, one could say, maybe not to the point where he's making up imaginary stories to get himself psyched up. Tom Brady had a little bit of psycho in him too, oh, in terms 100%. of psycho competitor. Yeah, but that's why he was. Yeah, the goat. The goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think up until I was like uh, twenty, maybe my junior year, senior year of college, I made it to at least one or two Patriots home games from the time I was like thirteen or fourteen years old. One of mm -hmm. my best friends growing up had tickets, so we would always go, and there was honestly nothing better than. Uh, cheering on the Patriots and Brady for 20 years there was really just yeah because I feel like your special. odds of going to a winning game were like astronomical yeah oh yeah how many times did they lose in Gillette during those 20 years not a lot <laughs> and there was 
there like lose a, in general, not yeah. a lot, but lose at home. Yeah, they're not a lot. Yeah, like you said. So it was yeah, that was a fun run and hopefully um you know, it wasn't a great year for the Pats this year, but we'll see what happens with Belichick and That's what I was gonna say. At the risk of turning our podcast into a, a B show NFL <laughs> podcast, because we've had a lot of guys on this year that have thoughts, opinions and passions about the NFL. Yeah. What are the Pats gonna do this summer, man? I don't what know. What are they gonna do? Well Vrabel is Mike Vrabel was as a, of recording? Mike Vrabel is available. He is available. Um, he was an unbelievable Patriot, and he's a great coach. So I, I don't know what the Patriots are going to do with Belichick, and he obviously was a huge part of the success. So if they part ways with him, then everyone in New England will still love him. I think their, you know, Kraft is probably just looking to go another way if that's his decision, and I would love to see Vrabel come in and kind of take over but if they stick with Belichick great I just I hope they maybe find a new GM he hasn't been the best at drafting Suppo- guys supposedly he said he's open to a shuffling of responsibilities I think that would be good for the organization uh obviously he's the best coach of all time so um, another goat another goat there you go so yeah I think I don't know I just you know I think all of New England and you know, they just want to see the Patriots win. I think everyone's so used to it, and we were so spoiled. So, yeah, I think everyone just kind of wants to get back to that. And I think the organization's in good hands with Robert Kraft. And whatever they decide, I'm sure it'll be the right decision. But, um, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. I admire your belief that whatever happens will be best. But what do you want to happen, Matt Philippe? Do you lean I, one way or another? I uh I don't know. I'm 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 kind of torn just because he's he's done. Belichick's done so much, but at some point you're gonna have to part ways. And I know Belichick's probably thinking about the record for most wins. And it oh, would, he is absolutely yeah, looking so at that. It would record. be weird if he went somewhere else and did that. But at the same time, as a fan, I think I think they have the third pick this year. And um, if they decide, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a new face in there. Vrabel is available and. I think a new quarterback will be needed in the near future, mm. whether it's this year or next. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm Luckily, I'm not paid to make those decisions. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. You uh, just get to react to them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I just hope it all works out. I think the Vrabel news not only kind of shocked a lot of people throughout the football world, yeah. but it – Shocked me. Yeah, it, I thought it, he was it, a great coach. Yeah. He is yeah. a great coach. Yeah. But I think that has made it – um, depending on how you want to look at it, easier or more difficult to yeah. figure out what the Pats are going to do. Yeah. Because before it was like, all right, are they going to move on from Bill? But yeah. then you have the other side of that question, like who's taking over? Right. Right now, with Vrabel loose, once again, as of recording, yeah. it seems like it's, all right, the Pats are bringing back Bill yeah. or they're bringing in Mike Vrabel. Yeah. They have two roads That's that they're going to travel yeah. down. Yeah, I think they've mentioned uh... – I think Gerard Mayo, I think he's the D coordinator. Which yeah, and, he, and a lot of people have said that for years, that yeah. he is the heir apparent. Yeah. He is the guy that they, they really like him in the building. They think he can be a head coach. They don't want to lose him to another organization. Yeah. Mike Vrabel just leapfrogged ahead of him. Yeah, he did. Just point, point blank, yeah, he, did. he did. Yeah. So if they really believe in, in Mayo, yeah. then you keep Bill for the rest of his contract, then you reassess this again, and yeah. then he can still take over. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Vrabel would be the preferred choice for probably most of New England now. Just, I mean, I was home over Christmas break and listened to a little bit of the sports talk radio, and I think there's a, a feel that people want Belichick out of there and that his time's over. So um, 
you know, I think Belichick, I mean, uh, sorry, Vrabel would be the perfect guy. And I think most people, especially after, like you said, he became available yesterday, ev- like he just sort of leapfrogged everyone. And um, that would be cool if he became the head coach. I think everyone in New England would love it. So it'd be great if if Bill came back and, and sparked another run. But I, I just don't know if it'll happen now. It might be time to turn it over. Very well, maybe. Yeah. And what a what a world we're living in, where yeah. we're talking about moving on from Bill Belichick. I know. I've yeah. I've grown up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I've been two head coaches for the club the entire time I've been alive. Yeah. Mike Tomlin, of course, being the current head coach, and he may not be perfect. He may have his flaws, but I have long been a Mike Tomlin supporter. Yeah. In some cases, a Mike Tomlin apologist. And I hear people year after year, regardless of where the Steelers finish, like they need to fire Tomlin. They Doesn't need to get this guy. At, oh, he's never had a yeah. losing season. He's never yeah. had a losing. Some of that's a little bit of a mirage, but yeah. we don't need to dive completely into it. Uh-huh. Like I said, we're at risk of turning this whole show into an NFL yeah. recap show. But I've always been like, okay, you want to get rid of Coach T. Who are you going to hire? Who yeah. do you think is going to do a better job than this guy? Because Bill Belichick's not available. Mm-hmm. And now here we are in 2024, yeah. and we might live in a reality where Bill Belichick is actually available. I'm yeah. not saying I want the Steelers to go get him now that he's 70-whatever years old, but some team is going to have Bill Belichick or might have Bill Belichick should Robert Kraft decide to move on and in all likelihood bring up Mike Vrabel. Yeah, and I think it's if just Bill crazy. goes, yeah, I hope it's to a contender. I think it would be. I don't think he'd take a job in a situation where he's going to do a full rebuild, so – you know, it, it hurt seeing Brady in a Bucks uniform, but I was still cheering for him. I mean, he did so much for everyone in New England where, it, you know, it hurts a little bit that he left. But, you know, I'll still root for Bill like I did for Brady. But, um, you know, I'll still take the Patriots over both of them if they're on the other side. And to tie this all back to where this conversation started, the fact that Tom Brady won that Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, without a doubt, cemented him as – the greatest yeah. of all time. Yes, yeah. that Tampa Bay team was loaded on both sides of the football. Maybe you could have plugged in a different quarterback in there and they still would have got the same result. But Tom Brady left no doubt 100%. what they did in the second yeah. half of the season. They were a freight train. They were unstoppable, and he did it at 40-whatever years old yeah. with a new franchise. That was like, okay, this guy is the best there's ever been. Yeah. You used to be able to be like, oh, well, I think this guy or maybe this guy or if Tom did this or that or had a different system. No. no. Once he won that championship with Tampa Bay, yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah. It's over. What yeah. else are you going to say? Yeah. Because everyone said, oh, he's he's only good because of Belichick. He's a system quarterback. System, yeah. yeah, it's the coaching. And then he went and did that. And I honestly think, like, you see Flacco now. That honestly yeah. kind of makes me think if Brady came back, like, could he – he probably – he's not going to, but – it just makes you. It makes me think like if Flacco can do that, I wonder what Brady can do because I feel like the. Here we go. You said you don't want to turn into an NFL podcast. Yeah, whatever. So. We're, we're we're off. The rails. Um, Let's go. Let's but go. yeah, no, I just I, I just don't like. You don't see great quarterback play that much anymore. I feel like there's only a handful of guys, and then there's a lot of guys who are good but make a lot of mistakes. And I don't know. It's just going to be an interesting playoffs to watch. If, you know, maybe a superstar QB gets it done or one of these lesser guys. Yeah, like, or is know. it Joe Flacco that yeah, just Flacco. keeps staying hot? Or that Purdy, defense the last is so pick. Good. Like, you know, it's yeah. just it's going to be a fun playoffs, that's for sure. If Tom Brady – I think this is why Tom Brady stepped away, actually, is because that last season in Tampa Bay following the Super Bowl was so frustrating for him that he didn't like the idea that he 
felt like he couldn't compete for a championship, that he had fallen as to a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Yeah. I think if he just wanted to straight-up play, yeah. he probably could still suit up in the NFL and provide valuable starts yeah. to an NFL team. How old is he now, 44, 45? <sighs> yeah, I don't he, even know. He, just yeah. the way he is, he could do that. Yeah. But we talked about that inner psycho in him. I think he was frustrated by the fact that he wasn't a top five quarterback, that his yeah. team wasn't um, in the playoffs, let alone yeah. in the conversation right. for yeah. the championship. That frustrated him, and he mm-hmm. said, all right, I'm however old, my family's going this, my kids are growing up, yeah. I'm stepping away from the right. game. Right, right, yeah. Versus just running until the wheels came off. His wheels were still on, Yeah, but definitely. I think he was mentally frustrated. Yeah. No, I think when you compete your whole career and then – you kind of take a step down, even like you said, maybe he's still a middle to a of the middle pack of the pack QB. quarterback, which a lot of teams would take. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I mean, it goes back to like Jordan, like that mindset where if they're not going to be the best, it's just there's no point. There's no point. Yeah. I want to be the best. I want to win championships. I've won championships over two decades now. This ain't my this ain't my uh, slice. Yeah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. So, I'm yeah. out. Well, that's all we got for Tom Brady folks, but it's not all we have for you, Matt Fleep. I still got some time with you here on the podcast right now. I want to thank you ahead of time for being so generous with your time here this afternoon. But we have another recurring segment here on the show where I have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. They do not know who they are asking it to, Mm -hmm. but I say it can be about anything in the world. Help me out. Throw these guys a question. Throw them a curveball. Let's see where the conversation takes us, right? Well, the riddle bug has bitten the team this season. Many of our questions have come in the form of riddles. So with that preface, Philly, are you ready for me to pop the question? Yep, here we go. All right. It's tricky, so stay with me here. Yeah. Okay? If a red house is made out of red bricks and a yellow house is made out of yellow bricks, what is a green house made out of? No bricks. <laughs> no bricks. Okay. Isn't a green uh, greenhouse like a uh, a greenhouse? Isn't that like where you grow flowers and stuff? And that is correct. That is a greenhouse. Yeah. So I mean, there's no. I don't think they build that with bricks. Maybe I'm totally off on what the actual answer is supposed to be, but I don't think you build that with bricks. So uh, I, no I, bricks. I will. Ex- <laughs> I will accept. No bricks as a viable answer. So the correct answer is glass. Yeah. That's how you, you the light gets in so all of the plants and flowers can photosynthesize. Yeah. However, the idea of the riddle is that you get tricked hearing the colors and just say green bricks. Yeah. You heard greenhouse and you were like, nope. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. You I understood know. the spirit of the riddle. That yeah, you wouldn't I let guess that trip so. you wouldn't yeah. let that trip you up. No. Um glass is no bricks. Yeah, there you go. So I will accept that as a viable answer. There we go. I like that. All right, no bricks. They thought that they had you in a vice grip. They thought for sure you were going to say green bricks. Yeah, no bricks. No, I wasn't. Not a chance. Especially because I knew that, I mean, I knew the trick was coming, so I knew it couldn't have been green bricks. Um, (laughs) But uh, Maybe I did tip the hand a little bit. (laughs) Oops. But, yeah, uh, Whoever that one was, I got you. Are you curious as to who left you that question? Yeah, who was it? Then I would direct you and our listeners to the Wilkes-Barre Granted Penguins podcast archives located on the team website, wbspenguins.com, on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. There you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we're coming up on that time where we wrap up our podcast. But as you know, and now Matt Philippe is about to find out, we have time for one final segment here on the show, and that is a little something-something that I like to call Penn's Picks. Penn's Picks. Matt, it is at this time in every episode where I ask our guests before they depart for a recommendation that they can give the fans. It can be, once again, anything in the world. I say no holds barred, but something that you think deserves a little bit of appreciation, a recommendation that you can give these good people. What is your Penn's Pick? Just be loud. Be loud. Ooh, Penn's pick is just like, get fired up, come to the game. Yeah, the the guys love it. Uh, We feed off the crowd. And, um, yeah, I think the second half there, you know, it's going to be important to take care of business at home and especially in the division games against some of those rivals. I think um, just continue to be loud and uh, just keep supporting us because uh, the guys definitely notice it and um, feed off that energy from the crowd. So, uh, yeah, just just keep being loud and keep supporting us at home games. We appreciate it. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give the fans another peek behind the curtain here right now because when you're – the way uh, Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza is constructed, just the way the acoustics work, the space in the building, when you're down at ice level – some of the sound can get kind of lost. Yeah. So if you're in the building and you're like, man, this music is pretty loud. The music's actually almost at a whisper down at ice level, yeah. just the way that sound travels. So as Matt Philippe said, if you want to be loud, if you want to make sure the team hears you, if you want to inject that energy, you got to put your full throat into it. Use mm-hmm. that diaphragm. Get loud. And if everybody gets loud, there's no chance that they're going to miss it down at ice level. Give the the boys a little bit of a spark and exactly. give uh, the other team something to to shake in their boots for, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. There we go. That's my. Little, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Little pen pick. Yeah. I I got one for you too, Philly. Yeah. And this may be. I mean, I'm the I guess uh, creator of pen's pick, so I can make the rules however I want. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is antithetical to what the pen's picks recommendations were all about. But I'm going to say, no New Year's resolutions. Get rid of them. Can it? Reason being, why do you have to wait for the new year? Yeah. Why do you have to put a date on it? January 1, I'm doing blank. Yeah. Put yourself in that headspace any time of year. If you feel like you have to lose weight, if you feel like you got to eat better, if you feel like you should be breaking some bad habits, if you feel like you should be starting some good habits, washing the dishes after you cook instead of letting them sit in the the sink or whatever, whatever it might be what your new year's resolution was. If you come up with it in November, just, go do, just it. do it in yeah. November, man. Like Why are you waiting for January? If you think of something now and it's like two weeks into January, oh, well, I can't be a New Year's resolution. No. Start these good habits now. You don't like have to that. put a date on it. Just yeah. start it. New Year's resolutions, they're gone. All they're right. 2000 and late. Well, Moving forward, go. 2024, you want to change things up? Just do it. Just do it. Don't wait. Just do it. I like that. Mikey, Jordan, just do it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, I like that. We'll take it. And that is this episode of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. I'm going to thank all you good people out there for tuning into this episode and being patient with us as we uh, battled through some obstacles but ultimately came out stronger on the other side to bring you this episode with Matt Philippe. And I will thank you 
Philly, too. Great Thank stuff you. with you today, yeah, buddy. Much appreciated. It was fun. Yeah, thanks. Best of luck the rest of the season, my Thank man. You. It's been fun watching you so far, and I know the fans have been loving watching number 37 buzzing yep. out there as well. Thank you. Oh, oh, I always forget to do this. I remember right now. Social media. Do you have any accounts, and where can people find you if you wish to be found? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I don't really – I don't think I've tweeted in a long time, but – yeah, Instagram a little bit. Sometimes I post. I think if you just search my name, um, it should be up there. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to follow on there, I don't post too much um, anywhere really, but uh, a little bit on Instagram. So if you want to follow on there, feel free. Search his name, folks. Put it in that search bar. Matt Philippe with me here on the Penguins Podcast. And on behalf of Matt Philippe, he and I will bid you adieu. See you again in two weeks, folks. Thanks for listening.